Because we all could use a little more love, this is MuggleCast episode 60 for October 22nd, 2006. CYGoDaddy.com is the number one domain registrar worldwide. Now with your domain registration, you'll get hosting, a free blog, complete email, and much more. Plus, as a MuggleCast listener, enter code RON, that's R-O-N, when you check out, and get your .com domain name for just $6.95 a year. Get your piece of the internet today at GoDaddy.com. Eric Skull, your crackpot theory of the week is Dumbledore was a hairless demigod. Realistically, whose beard is that long? It's got to be. It, it, it's got to be fake. It's got to. It's got to be a wig or, or maybe magically enhanced or something. But no, but nobody's beard is that long. Really, what you don't know about Albus Dumbledore is that he's been bald since birth. It's, it's just a character trait. You're supposed to be proving it, Eric. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did I ever prove him? Yeah, you're supposed to use, like, evidence to support the theory, no matter how outrageous it is. Right, well, aren't demiguises the uh, things that can go invisible? Yeah. Yes. Yes, well, easily, without wearing an invisibility cloak, even though they're cut Uh up and made into... (laughs) They're they're made into uh, invisibility cloaks, so I don't know if that counts as not wearing one, (laughs) if you're wearing your own skin. So is that your answer? Is that the best you can do? Well, I don't know. What what is is Chad15 from, uh, you know... Arkansas, I think, of that, who sent it in. It was actually Miranda 17 of Idaho, and her points included Dumbledore can turn invisible without a cloak. Uh, another point, this would hey. be a reason it's weird that he had James's cloak, even though he can turn invisible himself. I didn't think of that one. Well, let's, get, let's get her on the show. She can do, yeah. she can do Eric's crack Eric. theory better than Eric can. <laughs> Eric's fired. <laughs> uh, well. He seems to be able to see through the invisibility cloaks. Andrew, why does that make him a hairless demiguise? I don't know. <laughs> I, she said, I know crazy. I almost had myself convinced before I realized just what I was saying. Welcome to another week of some excellent muggle casting, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Andrew Sims. I'm Ben Shane. I'm, I'm Kevin Steck. Oh, sorry. I forgot. Whoa, I right over here. I forgot my place there just for a second. <laughs> I'm very sorry. I'm going to go last in honor of myself. And Jamie. Good job, Eric. I'm Laura Thompson. I'm Eric Scott. This would be the show where we bring in the latest in Harry Potter news, theories, discussions, and all this other nonsense. This would be the show, or is this, this is the show? I think this is the show, okay. but it could be, it, and it will be. I would say, maybe we're doing something <laughs> different this week. Maybe we're just going <laughs> to BS the entire time. I don't know. Maybe we'll try oh, yeah, that. something different. <laughs> Before we do anything Speaking else, Speaking of though, BS, let's go to Micah Tannenbaum <laughs> for the past week's news. <laughs> It was reported earlier this week that after months of negotiations, J.K. Rowling had signed a letter of intent to the Walt Disney Company, allowing them to carry out preliminary construction on the theme park with Harry Potter characters. Tuesday, a representative for Joe informed us that there is no truth to this. There goes my shot at riding Dementors of the Caribbean. That was a terrible. Terry Gilliam, the acclaimed director Warner Brothers turned down for Sorcerer's Stone, said in a new interview that he has no intention to direct either movie 6 or 7, debunking previous rumors that he would. He was quoted as saying Warner Brothers had their chance the first time around, and they blew it. It's a factory job, that's what it is, and I know the way it's done. I've had too many friends work on those movies, I know the way it works, and that's not the way I work. Man, Terry, retract those claws, would you? Gilliam went on to discuss what his Potter movie would have been like. He said Alfonso Cuaron's Prisoner of Azkaban is really good, but the first two I thought were just bad. They missed the whole point of it. They missed the magic of it. Alfonso did something much closer to what I would have done. Oh, somebody's jealous. That was just too easy. 
In a new interview, actor Rupert Grint spoke a little about the fifth Harry Potter movie, saying they have about a month of filming remaining. He also mentioned a Christmas scene with the Weasleys that he enjoyed, and touched on the topic of a director for Half-Blood Prince, noting rumors that Alfonso Cuaron, or Chris Columbus, may return for the film. HP4U has released a new report after visiting the Order of the Phoenix set recently. The crew was in the process of shooting scenes involving Thestrals, Hogsmeade Station, and the Hogwarts Express. Filming was located at Black Park in Buckinghamshire, England. Finally, the American Library Association is asking teens to vote this week. Why just teens? Everybody vote this week for their three favorite books, with the association subsequently posting the top ten. Half-Blood Prince is among those nominated. Be sure to vote and make Laura Mallory cringe. That's all the news for this October 22nd, 2006 edition of MuggleCast. Back to the show. Okay, thank you, Micah. Uh, Let's take care of a few announcements. Don't forget to purchase your MuggleCast t-shirts because they help support the show and they're very nice to wear. We have some new designs out. Actually, we have one new design and we have the Lumos shirts that are available. They're pretty cool looking. So even if you didn't go to Lumos, even if you don't know what Lumos is, buy them because they're cool looking. Lumos 2006, and, the very nice t-shirts. Yeah. All the cool kids are doing it. Don't forget to place your vote at Podcast Alley. We're actually uh, falling behind this month. We're like number five. Shame. Um, yeah, there's other podcasts beating us, and it's kind of sad. So maybe if everyone could place their vote just once a month, we could get a little higher up there. So. Please, just, just once a month. Self-conscious. Just once a month. Wow. Okay. love how sad um, you Bad news out of Australia. We Bad lost, oh my gosh. Oh, jeez. Lost the Nickelodeon Australian Kids' Choice Awards to a podcast called Camp Orange Modcast. What is that? Which makes sense, considering it is a Nick show, writes Megan18 of Australia. Um, the the Kids' Choice Awards have got some criticism in the past. I was reading on Wikipedia. Yeah, it's not worth uh, it. Because they, they sort of, the winners always seem to be Nick Nickelodeon-related television shows, so that surprised me we didn't win. Even if, maybe, maybe you know, granted, maybe we didn't get the best We votes. all know it's a, load of you, it's a load of fooey, because who listens to the Camp Orange Modcast? <laughs> it's not even on iTunes. I tried to look it up on iTunes. <laughs> was there. They have their but own. But thanks to everyone who did place a vote for us. So, so do, do us a favor. It, email, email Nickelodeon. Send him your complaints. Let him know how you feel about this win. Yeah, let, yeah. Him, let him know how you feel about <laughs> Muggle Cast getting shot down. Also, you might be wondering where Jamie is this week. No. Muggle Cast has personally paid for him to get le- uh, lessons in French because he butchered the RSVP pronunciation. He he thought it was Reponde, s'il vous plaît. Then someone emailed and said, no, it's Responde, s'il vous plaît, without checking it. <laughs> so he just said, he just trusted that one person. It actually is Reponde, s'il vous plaît. Thanks to Holly, seventeen of Canada, Come on, we'll never Jamie. bring it up again. Yeah, we will never bring it up again. Yeah. Also, a little announcement: it's so far, it's so far back in the planning stages. <clears throat> it's we have really nothing to say other than that. Well, here, let me ask you guys something. What, what is the number one re- request that we get right now? More Ben Shane, I think. <laughs> That's number no. two. What's uh, number uh, one? Uh, less Eric Skull. <laughs> That's number three. Oh, <laughs> oh, I, I'm, I can't. Um, the number one thing people are asking us right now is, will you guys be at Prophecy 2007 oh, in yeah. Canada? Oh. Which Jeez. is August uh, 2nd to the 5th, 2007. No, nothing good ever came out of Canada. Yeah. I'm just kidding. I'm just well, kidding. Canadian visitors. Canada. HBAF is based in America. I know, I'm, I'm just kidding. 
Are you really? The answer is... You read you yeah. You signed up for Save Prime. Gas Money <laughs> Part Two with Eric. <laughs> two. I'm gonna rearrange the acronym. We're gonna read Book Three from Chapter Four, The Dementor. On we're just gonna read all night long. We're uh, gonna popcorn read. Oh yeah. And, and John Noe's gonna be there. He's gonna show up and hand out uh, leaky stickers and leave. What site? So if you haven't figured it out. Yes, we are planning on going to Prophecy. Did you actually? No... Did you actually talk to Melissa about this? No. We haven't talked. To, we haven't talked to uh, the prophecy people about doing a live podcast yet or anything. But so, we will be there tentatively. Tentatively, okay. Yes. Tentatively. If you want to help us out, if you want to help us out, send a little uh, email to prophecy people. Say, hey, um, at Lumos, uh, Leaky Mug did a podcast. They're going to be doing one again. You know, just drop a hint. You know, and then we'll get in contact with them soon. So. Yeah. So, as of right now, we'll know for sure, and like probably within the next. You know, it has to be the next month or two. We'll know for sure if we're doing a podcast or not. I guess. Well, you know, last time Maybe. we knew November, and the convention was in. Was it November? Yeah, we, we yeah, decided we asked November. in November, and the convention oh, was okay. clear in. It was in July, <coughs> July. So, and this this time it's in early August. So, yeah, prophecy2007.org, I believe, is the website. So, yeah, check it out. Get registered. Send him an email. Tell him Mucklecast sent you. Yeah. Okay. Well, last week everyone might remember that we had a. Great. I mean, it was it was a pretty good discussion on time. Pretty, I think we hurt people's heads. We did. We got a lot of feedback. I was gone. How many times did Andrew sing time? Just once. Oh, just <laughs> once. Yeah. <laughs> did it for you, and then I had a little moment because I realized you weren't there to sing it. Uh, it's really touching. <laughs> anyway, uh, we got some lengthy rebuttals. We're gonna read two of them now. One from BD of Alabama. Age 27. On the subject of time, Kevin is right. In linear time, time, if someone goes back in time to change an event, then it creates a paradox. If someone wants to change an event by going back in time, and they have time travel at their disposal, they would go back in time and change the event. Now here comes the the paradox. If the event has changed and all the following events were changed, why would the time travel want to go back and change an event in the first place after the event was changed? In other words, the time travel would not have any reason to go back in time to change the event, so how did it get changed? Now, if you're still reading this, I would like to point out that this is one of J.K. Rowling's more brilliant ideas in The Prisoner of Azkaban. The events that were changed by Harry and Hermione had already happened in their timeline. Buckbeak and Sirius escaped before Harry and Hermione went back in time, and they had already helped them to do it. We never saw Buckbeak executed in the book. Harry, Ron, and Hermione assumed that McNair cut off his head, but we actually saw him cut into a pumpkin. Harry and Hermione did not change anything. They did what was done. They just did not know we actually saw him cut in. No, they just did not know <laughs> what was done, which gave them a reason to go back in time to change it. Also, it would be just like Dumbledore to know exactly how Bugbeak escaped when he suggested to Hermione that they could save two lives, keep up the good work, love the show. That was Yes, but there's a flaw in that, which is the Harry seeing Harry across the lake and thinking it was his father, uh, because initially there would have had to be someone to start off that chain reaction like the first time Harry went back. Uh, to make him see somebody across the lake and then yeah, do but something. that goes into the yeah, paradox. It yeah. That goes into, falls the paradox into a loop. Thing. Yeah, yeah. But an infinite loop, right, Kevin? Right. I don't know. I'm of the uh, I'm of the liking that uh, when you go back in time, it, it's it strays stray paradoxes such as uh, Back to the Future, um, how, how how timelines change based on different events if you alter. Yeah, like I yes, don't think it's just one. 
and I think that's I think I think time itself is comprised of a bazillion different dimensions, and every little choice, every little difference that we can make in the world creates a, an, an, an alternate, separate but different scenario universe. And that that's like we're just traveling through time by going through all these things. It's really cool. Uh, watch Sliders, by the way. It was this old show on Fox. Let's go, let's go to James. Let's see what James James one hundred five of Baton Rouge has to say. It's pretty old. Are you gonna read it? I'll read it. The whole time discussion was a bit convoluted. I think you should imagine time from each individual as a string. For the trio, set each string on a very long table and have an inch equal an hour. I know they'd be very long strings, but we'll focus at the end on the end of year three. Since Ron has never traveled back through time, his string will be perfectly straight. Since Harry has only ever gone back two hours, his would be interrupted and folded back so that the there would be two inches overlapped. That is to say there would be two inches where the string was doubled. So yes, Harry would be in two places during two hours. Hermione would have that effect multiple times during the school year, since the whole idea of time of the time-turner was so she could take classes that occurred at the same time. She would have to be in two places at the same time several times per week, so her string would be folded over in several places. As a matter of fact, if she used the time-turner to go back two hours each school day, that would be ten hours a week. And assuming a 44-week a school year, four weeks for each summer and Christmas, she... Sorry, I'm burping here. She would, <laughs> she would have aged an extra 40, 440 hours. So at the end of the school year, she would be older by about two and a half weeks compared to if she had never touched a time turner. So basically, it's not even worth celebrating Hermione Granger's birthday anymore because she was uh, hitting that time turner. Or, or if, if you do celebrate, it's... Yeah, but it doesn't, it doesn't change the fact that it is on that day, Eric. Huh? Well, her well, birthday well, is on true, that that's day. Well, that's true. That's true. The birthday. No, I'm confused with what they're saying. Like, how how would it make her older? That's true. Yeah. Well, no. She was alive twice. It means. Time? Yeah, it's still her birthday. Birthday. The method that person is using to like judge time is from like an external observer, like someone observing someone externally. But because everyone's within that environment, it doesn't bode well for if you're trying to track time and you're a participant within the world or within that so what theory area. do they use what what which extrapolation method if you no will. that that no. what they're just saying is to count yeah. count how old the person is it's not really based on what stream of time they're in because we're all within the same you i don't know. know i just kind of got an idea of the greek um the three ladies with the scissors the what were they, the Sears or the whoever? The Fates. Yeah, the Fates, of course. The Fates. You cut your string and determine when you're going to die. And in Hercules, they sing and they dance. And that's Nice. It. It was just an interesting way that Gene put it, I think, using the strings, because it's an easier way to demonstrate. Basically, Ben, you asked earlier, um, what are they saying by how she aged earlier? When she's going back in time, she has to relive up to the point where she originally went back in time. So she's still aging. Her aging does not stop. Oh, um, I see what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. I get you. <laughs> we did mention a problem with this last show where if you go back in time too far, you won't have enough time to catch up before you die. <laughs> of old age? <laughs> of old age. Yeah. Yes. So, you know, the repercussions of that. We'll get to some more rebuttals well, that's, that's later. That's, it's all confusing. Well, I, I'm I'm gonna time travel. I I got so many emails about people saying we made their head hurt. 
where yeah, and it, it was an there episode were actually without people me. that didn't like the show. There were people who thought that we went in too many circles. Really? Yeah. Well, that's time is circular. Yeah. History repeats itself. Get used to it. Let's get into our main discussion now. I think this might be the final part of yeah. our Department of Mysteries discussion. It's it's basically a wrap up of everything else that we did not discuss already between time and uh, the veil. Well, we talked about, as Andrew said, the veil and time, which I think were the two biggest things that were focused on during the Department of Mysteries chapters. But there were a lot of other little things in there that I think a lot of people are wondering about. The first of which is, why was it so easy for Harry, Ron, Hermione, Ginny, Luna, and the Death Eaters to get into the Ministry that night? There was no security. Why Why was that? Harry even noted that he felt ominous, that there was no security. He felt there should have been. Why was there no one in the Ministry that night? So J.K. Well, Rowling gets could me. write a story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Closed for writing. Well, if you, if she wanted... No, no, okay. If, if you were to ask J.K. Rowling this question, is what it was, I, I was just being a, a Weisenheimer, like usual. <laughs> Which you are so often. <laughs> I am such a Weisenheimer. Um, <laughs> the reason there was no security, maybe they were distracted with something else. Hmm. Like what? Yeah, I mean, well, the entire Ministry of Magic. Yes. Yeah, yeah not, but it's okay. not the entire Ministry. It is somewhat of a workplace. So, I mean, go into any of your financial buildings at twelve midnight, and you're going to find maybe three or four people there—a security the janitor. guard, janitors, <laughs> right. and maybe right, but this the person. Is the, this is late. different, though. The, this is the fabled yeah. Department of Mysteries. This is this is not the yeah. this is not the lobby at the Ministry of Magic. This is well. That's the thing that got me. You can just—they were able to just go into the elevator and select Department Department of Mysteries, and then just open the door and go in. Right, yeah, yeah, there was no one. It's like even at hotels, exclusive yeah, but... rooms, you need a key card. <laughs> I was always under the impression that there were preparations made by the Death Eaters to yeah. arrange they, that. They're waiting for because Yeah, they, but how'd they do that? Well, they oh, I'm sure Lucius Malfoy. I mean, it's not like he would pay through for Through curses. Yeah, I mean... What do you think? You think Malfoy paid off no, it, whatever, not, that Eric guy to leave the security Or put guy? him under a curse? Not paid off. Or, or did something. I mean, I'm not well, saying... The, the, Death Eaters, the Death Eaters arrived first, correct? Well, they were waiting. Yes. For okay, well, Harry. maybe it's a case like we saw in Sorcerer's Stone, where Quirrell pretty much cleared the pathway for Harry to get to the final area. Maybe the Death Eaters have already taken care of the security measures and made it because you know their goal was to lure Harry into the Ministry of Magic. And if there's extraneous or extra security, then it's going to be more difficult for him to do it. So. Yeah, but it's still the Department of Mysteries. How were they able to just walk into Also, it? remember, they're Voldemort, and they can't let the Ministry see Voldemort or whatever, so they have to protect themselves, too. But, no, that's not the uh, example I want to use. It Was it even midnight, guys? I was under the impression that everybody was just out at lunch. Uh, or no, 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 it, 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 it was nighttime. Are you sure? Yeah, they were talking. The sun was rising. The sun was rising when Harry got when back got to into, Dumbledore's office, yeah. so it took place during the night. Well, okay, but I was under the impression everybody was wandering back into the lobby right after you know the whole fight occurred. No, Harry, Harry heard um, as if coming back. People, from lunch. yeah, he said he heard people going to breakfast, and he couldn't believe that people were still enjoying a meal, knowing what he'd just mm. been through. Well, that was the next day. Yeah. I mean, at in the lobby, right after the fountain, you know, exploded, Fudge was like, ooh, look, the fountain. Yes, I saw him too. But then people were kind of wandering back in, like, what just happened here? Like, where well, were Well, that they? was... 
It's not that. Yeah, that that was because anymore, by the by <laughs> the time alerted by that point. exactly by the time <laughs> all this was happening, the Aurors had already been alerted. They they had been monitoring this place, but don't you, you think know, the Aurors would be the... uh, you know guarding the Department of Mysteries, especially? Exactly. Why was no one there, and why were they able to just open a door and walk in? Maybe all the that... no wasn't the Auror on guard <laughs> in the uh, in Voldemort's circle, or something. Um, One of them, he could have just stepped aside and let him in. I don't, I don't know. I don't think it's that. that big but that's what I'm saying. No I was there, always though. under the impression that they had taken preparations beforehand. Yeah. They had placed a couple people under a curse right. and made it right. so that come X hour, leave or get lost, yeah. and then they can just stroll in. Laura, I mean, those people who are guarding the place are also the same people. That's only who, a logical explanation. Yeah, I, mean, yeah, I yeah. suppose. Voldemort may have. Of course, Voldemort, you know. Voldemort has uh, insiders insiders in the ministry, so he may have and probably the Department of Mysteries too. So he probably could have had someone yeah, either well, run yeah, the others off. Yeah, I mean they're resourceful people. It's in. not yeah. like they don't know what they're doing. <laughs> I don't know about the elevator though. Yeah, cause... just the fact that they were able to walk into the ministry like there was no, it wasn't locked. For instance, you know they walked into the phone booth. And they just said, we're here to save Sirius, and it prints them off these little badges that say rescue, rescue mission. mission. Well, one door <laughs> was locked, and that brings us to... <laughs> well, actually... Well, no, I mean, it just seemed like the only security was when they got into the circular well, put room it this way. where the doors There's just There's 100,000 people, say, work at the ministry or whatever, however big it is, however too big it is. They all have to get through the lobby, get where they're going. Um, I approve of the idea of like a club card getting into the Department of Mysteries, but remember what's also on the same floor as Department of Mysteries. There's what the old chambers for trial, and isn't there? Isn't uh, Arthur? But they aren't used really anymore. I I don't know. No, and Arthur's office is not there. It's not there. No, it is not. I don't know. (laughs) I'm all flooded. But you think that you think that even though you can still get up there, that there'd at least be someone guarding the door. Exactly. I don't know. Well, that's what the, yeah, but the Death Eaters the, would take that guy exactly. out. I mean, <laughs> but you know, it's interesting to me. Why didn't the Order have anyone there? Because we know that Arthur had been guarding that place. So clearly they'd been taking precautions to guard the Department of Mysteries. Yeah, but I mean, count how many Death Eaters were there. Do you think one sure. person would stand a chance against all those Death Eaters? Well, no, but still, they may why have not made mention to it, but I'm fairly sure that there was some protection, and they just bypassed it through either cursing the person, right? Or... But with a place this important, it's like when a robber goes and sticks up a convenience store. There's always, or a bank. There's always the button that alerts the police under the table. You know, yeah, you but think that's if someone was getting for... taken out, wouldn't they have a way to alert other people? Voldemort and Harry Potter both need to get in the Department of Mysteries. They're the two strongest forces throughout this entire book series. Do they really need to try? It, no, it's not It's not <laughs> that. It's that the people who are guarding that type of place and who have access to that place are going to be the people they're going to curse and have remove have to remove the security. Uh, Voldemort's been concentrating on this Department of Mysteries the entire year. The Order Yeah, that's what I'm it. saying. The He's pretty resourceful. Yeah. So why didn't we hear about anyone in the Order being cursed when they were trying to protect the Department of Mysteries? That's what I'm saying. That other if, guy was. If, if anyone... I know, but if anyone had been there that night, then we would have heard about them being cursed as well, unless they flew the coop when they realized what was going on. Well, well, you know Mr. Weasley was was guarding it, right? Yes. Okay, well, 
what if Mr. Weasley, they obviously found Mr. Weasley there very injured. Now the order, not the order, but the ministry goes, what were you doing there after hours? Why were you there? Okay, so now they have just blown their cover, making it impossible for them to put another person there because it's going to get highly but suspicious to the ministry. Kind of like... Didn't they cover it up? Yeah, didn't Dumbledore say... Didn't Dumbledore say he had a... They made up an excuse for it? Yeah, exactly. Sure well, well serious, even then, I mean... Even if they have an excuse, people are going to turn their eye. For all you know, Arthur was the only one who had the possibility of having access to that area. Well, right, if anyone suspicion. else was sitting down there, exactly. it would look suspicious. So, you know? so the order probably, that was their last form of defense, and it got blown by him getting injured. Attacked by the snake, yeah. Good yeah. job, Arthur. Yeah. And that's why, and, but that was that was a, uh, no, that's not Arthur's fault. That was Voldemort's plan. And that technically did blow their cover, because Arthur couldn't go there again and sit down there. Yeah, well, right. No, obviously not. So, so, I mean, right there you have your explanation for why yeah. there wasn't an order member there. Good point, it just Kevin. Seems good point. Odd to me, though, that there wouldn't be some sort of security on it anyway. But like, that's what I'm saying. Ar- like, even when Arthur was there, though, like, why isn't there some sort of security on this place 24 seven? Well, another thing, Laura. Remember, everybody's under the impression that everything is sunshine, lollipops, and rainbows. Voldemort's not back. What do we have to protect ourselves from? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's, that's strong true. mindset of everybody. Strong mindset. Well. The next thing that we should probably move on to is whenever they enter the Department of Mysteries, the first thing they come across is the brain room. And we saw that Ron got attacked by one of the brains when he yelled Accio brain, which I found kind of amusing. (laughs) But Madame Pomfrey said that thoughts can leave deeper scarring than almost anything else. Now, are we talking physically or does he have some kind of mental scarring? Because it doesn't seem to me like Joe would kind of drop that little hint for no reason. I think it has to be mental because yeah, definitely. No, it's how, how could a thought too. harm you physically? Well, no, she's talking about how he had scars on his arms from where they had wrapped themselves they around wrapped him. Around. And, and, and yeah, it's not just emotional scarring. I think mm-hmm. that's very physical thoughts too. They're not just yeah. memories. They're thoughts trapped in the brains that have made them. Um, it's kind of like if a person passes away – they have all these memories of, you know, all everywhere they've been in their life, you know, different life experiences. Well, yeah, but the nobody mind's can very see powerful. Them. You know, how can you retrieve those thoughts from a person? They're gone with that person, you know, the exact things. But, you know, trapped in this brain room, in, in, the, in these things, all these thoughts, maybe it's all the hateful thoughts that, you know, but all these thoughts are trapped in this, this juicy brain that's going to come out and lash at you and, you know – I don't know if it was – she said that it was thoughts that were attacking him, and I would think that would have a, a strict physical impact too because have you ever had thoughts come at you? I mean how would – you know? Well, actually a good example – a good example of it is if you ever heard of when people die, the electricity that. that's <sighs> – Eric, when, when people <laughs> Sorry, die, it has question. been – it has been accounted that the electricity released from their brains has been powerful enough to stop clocks so that it so stops the clock at the exact time of their death. So I think it goes to show that thoughts could be powerful enough to physically harm someone as well as mentally. My question is, does Ron possess those thoughts now? Does he have memories from the brain that attacked him it. that at one time belonged to someone else? I doubt it. But how do we know those brains come from? I mean, well, yeah, exactly. Like, it seems to me like each part of the each part of the ministry has 
you know, like its own, uh, like what each part of the Department of Mysteries, like studies its own things. You know, like there's the death, love, all that stuff. So, what do you think they're studying? Are they studying? Are they studying thoughts or? What they're are they? studying the mind, I believe. I mean, there the was a huge. The mind was a huge theme in Order of the Phoenix. I mean, just because yeah, of Harry's you know, and the mind is, is a mystery too. So yeah, and Snape essentially told Harry that the mind is not an open book. a book to be open and read at will. It's got to be studied very, very closely, I suppose, differently. And I don't know how exactly they came across these brains if they just yanked them out of dead people's heads or what. Well, well what did? Uh... What did, um, crap, I forgot my question. Wasn't Ron already delusional or something? Wasn't he already, like, kind of messed up when the brain started attacking yeah, him? He'd yeah, he'd been cursed by a Death Eater. And I thought that was interesting because the reaction that he has is sort of similar to the reaction Dumbledore has from drinking the Green Potion and Half-Blood Prince. They were both kind of delusional and out of it. And both started saying, you know, no, no, stop it, Harry. And, like, trying to get Harry to help them, and well, Harry couldn't whereas in Whereas nothing was attacking Dumbledore visibly when a brain, a giant brain with thoughts was lashing It doesn't brain. matter, no, though. It it's still it's, thoughts, it's true. though. It's a good, it's a brilliant parallel. I think And it's cool. this is why I'm kind of, I don't know, I just kind of wonder if Ron somehow has some sort of important memory that, will play a role in book seven, like something that Harry needs to know. I don't think that's because it at all. You know, why not, though? Where do you learn this, Ron? Oh, it was when that brain attacked me. I learned all this stuff that well, I've just no, had sitting it, around in my head for years. It, would, I it wouldn't it. be like I didn't, that. Didn't it would, but it almost seems like there are a lot of things that happened at the end of Order of the Phoenix that we didn't hear anything about in Half-Blood it's Prince. It's true, but we did like, hear... What about, what about the guy who turned into a baby? What kind of crap is that? I well, his head, his, yeah. his head, was, his head yeah. was de-aging and then aging again. That was pretty messed up. We talked you about that last a baby, week, but, so. um, No, the the whole idea, and, and why I brought that up is because I just think that when Ron was in the uh, hospital ward, uh, he was clearly getting remedies for that curse, and I think it was just all washed off. I think that the thoughts, all the I trauma don't think from so. the thoughts, all, I, mm-hmm. I don't think. I, I think there would be some residue. There's I mean, going to be something was in your head. You got to look at the way the brain, like, was in contact with Ron. You know, the thoughts were burning into his skin and stuff, and lashing at him and grabbing him. But it didn't really do any. You, we didn't see it affect his mind. He was just really under Not that, that other we curse. Know of. Really we, we don't know. That's that's a point we don't know of anything happening to his mind but you know they alluded to it we only see it. yeah we only see the world through harry's eyes so we can't sit here and say That's i true. know what's going on in ron's mind because it's not from his point of view i don't know that there's much of an argument that that thing really affected him emotionally or for a long i don't know i just thing, think that the mind is an exceedingly powerful thing oh yes it really is and Absolutely. i think it's pretty short-sighted to think that 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 you could be attacked by a brain like that and not have any sort of repercussions, physical or mental. Well, he had a lot of physical repercussions. He was torn up. It was pretty dirty, but... But we didn't hear that much about that. That's the thing. It Which seemed like true. Madame Pomfrey it, it, was going to lengths yeah. to cure the scarring as best she could. But well, how do you think said... all this is going to come full circle is what I want to know? I mean, how is that uh, going to play ben, into the... I hate to let you down. We don't know. I know. That's why I said, but how do you think, okay? No reason okay. to be a smart aleck. I, I don't mean to. I'm the Weisenheimer here, okay? I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> what I'm saying is, I don't know how 
like think about all the stuff she has to incorporate. Something like that may yeah, there's a seem lot. like it's and... going to go to the wayside just because she doesn't have. I mean, unless it's really pivotal. I mean, it's interesting. You know, what did he? Uh, get from the Department of Mysteries, but the fact that, you know, it went ignored in book six and nothing really was carried through, you think if Ron had some thought that was essential that it would somehow get mentioned. Stood out. Yeah. What would have happened by now? I don't know, because if you think back on, you know, all the books, there have been tons of little things that no one thought anything of at the time. And then a couple books later, that thing becomes huge. There are probably hundreds of little clues in Half-Blood Prince that we all missed. Just little things. Little things that people have said. Descriptions about the way someone looked or where someone went. But when have we seen Ron distribute any kind of extra knowledge than he would have by being his... uh, I don't think... Slightly, you know, cynical I don't know. The thing is, I think that if something like that were to happen she would try to draw attention away from it during the sixth book because she drew attention away from the Department of Mysteries. She drew attention away from everything. Exactly, because there's clearly well, something kind of big going on. There's no on. doubting it's plausible uh, that Ron, you know, has some thoughts from this thing. I just don't think it's likely. And whose brains get into the brain room? That's what I was going to say. If if he does have someone's thoughts, are we going to find out, like, whose brains these Who? are? <laughs> yeah. Maybe they save James and Lily's brain, and they and and, and then and, and then Ron can tell Harry where Godric's Hollow is. I almost think it's like kind of the case where you have people who donate their bodies to science. Wouldn't it be the same thing? Like you donate your brain to the Ministry of Magic, <laughs> and then yeah. they donate their bodies to be thrown through the veil to see what happens yeah. to them. Ben, <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna wear my. Uh, well, how else? What do they do? They just randomly choose people, or your your brain's mine when you die, or. You know, it isn't like they can... Well, what if they take, like, unclaimed bodies? Or something like that. John Doe's well, that, That's world. really well, pleasant. What if you went up to... Unclaimed <laughs> well, well, hey! <laughs> they did that for that that exhibit with all the dead bodies, which I went and saw in Vegas. It was actually pretty cool. Guys, what if you went up to anybody on the street and just said, Accio Brain? What would happen? I don't think their brain would fly out of their Pop head. Pop out of their, head, I don't their know. body. If you... I think they'd laugh at you. Yeah. Either way, one thing's for certain. I'm a... Like how people laughed at you when you walked through New York City in your cloak. They didn't laugh. They were <laughs> awed, oh, and you guys burn. were all jealous. They were awed. <laughs> right. You see, there's so much diversity in New York City. It's normal. <laughs> it, it's normal. <laughs> that sinks right in. But I'm going to get a def- definitely get a T-shirt since we're talking about this that says, uh, I donated my brain to the Ministry of Magic because they needed one. That's nice. Well, you, you asked <laughs> hey. for the brain to donate, so... Oh. Oh. Well, Eric, Eric, what would make your brain worthy? I'm not trying to insult you. Of the you Ministry here. of Magic? <laughs> uh, it, perhaps it won't be. You're you're incredibly correct, Laura. M- no, maybe, no, no. I'm, maybe they would I'm refuse kind of... it. Maybe my dying wishes. Maybe my dying wishes would be for the Ministry to have my brain, and they wouldn't want it, <laughs> and they would just throw it away. I'm kind of alluding to like what would specifications, be the requirements. Yeah. What would I would think it would be anybody they could you... get. I mean, learned professors obviously they would want to like Willing Nicholas to, Flamel. Yeah. Like maybe Nicholas Flamel, maybe they could have uh, asked him to donate his mind to the think tank, which is the, the brain think bank. tank. <laughs> That's literally what it is. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the the brain thing tub the brains. The brain uh, maybe, tub. maybe you know they would they would want to get him if they were studying the mind. But I think they would also try and get lower minds, perhaps like mine, uh, you know, you know, just to just to uh, judge the diversity of minds. Isn't it true you need brains of all sizes and all shapes and all? 
to to, yeah, to, but do, to do a real study. study. Brains yeah. of all of all types of capacity <laughs> so, <laughs> for yes. intelligence. That's what I mean. But but who knows? Maybe the ministry wouldn't want my brain. I, I, I don't. Know. I would think it would be more of a uh, I think it has to be donation donated. kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, because it's not like now. Like, it's it's the, unethical the unclaimed to, bodies. Yeah, yeah, the it's unclaimed bodies you're talking about were like homeless people they found dead in the alley. You know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Can but, can you imagine the, the, the UPS guy got a delivery of brains for C O fudge? C O fudge got a delivery of brains. Just dump them in the yeah. in the think tank there. Yeah, uh, quick on it the think tank. <laughs> it's a good name. Is that not a good name? That is a good name, but it sounds so goofy. So anyway, I don't know. Back to Madame Pomfrey. Just seems, thoughts can leave deeper scarring than almost anything else. Maybe she's just saying in general. Yeah, but it, your thoughts, your personal thoughts. It sort of alludes to her talking not only physical scarring. Yeah, that's what I'm yeah, saying. I just don't see how they can transfer well, to your body because it's a yeah, brain. Yeah, she didn't really say, really but make sense. it touched your body. So, it's magic, though. Right, but see, there's, there's something different, though. Something different, though, is Dumbledore stressed the importance of how death isn't like the isn't it. I mean, how, you know, if you look to the bad side, the evil side in Harry Potter, that's what they're concerned most about. What The good side is always concerned about sacrifice and what is the best thing that I can do to benefit humankind in general, you know, as opposed to, well, I'm going to be selfish and worried about myself dying. So it seems to me like the physical sense, I mean, it, it applies physically because he has the scars or whatever, but I think mentally it makes more sense because... It does, yeah. Your, your thoughts, like, look, look to Harry and Voldemort, you know. Maybe she was she was saying something like that meant a lot more than she knew, you know. Because well, look, you know what I'm the gonna thoughts do? have deeper gonna... scarring than anything else. Because look at Voldemort sent those thoughts into Harry's brain, and the next thing we know, Harry shows up at the Ministry of Magic. Sirius dies. Ron yeah, gets exactly. hurt. Exactly. All these bad things happen. So I think that's the deeper scarring. When Dumbledore happens. when when Dumbledore talks about how life, you know, death is 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 not the worst thing. He's actually talking about score, the scarring of the soul that Voldemort's got, and there's a lot of soul stuff. That that's that's all the references mm-hmm. there with impartial. Well, souls. what he's basically saying is that. Voldemort, the life that he's given himself now is actually worse than what he's oh, fearing. Oh yeah, absolutely. But the the thought of thoughts is what Ben eventually said, which was, um, you know, you know, in my opinion, which is the thoughts drive the mind. You said the mind was a great big theme in Order of the Phoenix. Well, the mind controls the people, and the people do the evil, and the people do they they change history. And, you know, this is all about people but the mind is the most powerful thing because it drives you and thoughts and and if you think that that mudbloods are worthless you know it's it's everything it ties into literally everything it's untraceable where this is coming by the way guys forgot to mention this in the beginning of the show 60 episodes oh yeah 60 episodes wow good job not too shabby boys and girls not too shabby no not at all i think it's time for number start thinking about retirement yeah, yeah. Yeah, you have our... Apply uh, for Medicare in a few dentures. years. Well, Social Security's almost <laughs> gone, run out, so... <laughs> and and we dumped our own fund on Lumos. All, all our retirement yeah. funds were spent. Going on Lumos. Lumos. But anyway, here's the 60 more. It's a big number, 60. Yeah. What have we been talking well, about? It's not as time? big as 61. <laughs> How do we come up with... You know, that's the number one thing I get asked by people who don't listen to the show. What do you talk about? What? Yeah, same here. What do you exactly talk about? Yeah. What do you yeah. We we have had a discussion every week about I mean whether it was chapter by chapter or um 
a character discussion or something like this? Well, something anyway. I keep getting emails: chapter is chapter by chapter coming back. Is chapter by chapter coming back? Yeah, guys, should we? Oh, lay I, that I, down? Think, we I think uh, chapter by chapter should come back eventually because we're going to run out of things to talk about, and in order to what's the word I'm looking for? Preserve the longevity of MuggleCast. I don't know. We'll yeah, need something that's going this. to I, do that. I don't want to just. I, <laughs> I don't want you guys just to strategically pull it out of your pocket when we're short on episode stuff. We did talk. We did have a meeting. Well, that's about the plan. This. So, yeah, we did. <laughs> we we have been getting a lot of emails about this, but and we haven't brought it up because we didn't really want to upset anyone who is really missing it. But we did talk about this. We had a lengthy discussion about this in, in uh, well, LA. I had a lengthy discussion. Very lengthy. Yeah, and um. We're going to hold off on it for now, but it'll come back, just not right now. The next room that they encountered was the love room, which was locked. They couldn't get into it. How would a room contain the power of love? It's the power of the Black Eyed Peas song, Where is the Love, (laughs) plays when you walk in. There's there's a sign that points over here. It's over here. (laughs) (laughs) No. Like, so if they open the door, would there just, like, be this blinding light power of love that would spill out of the room? Yes. Or is it, okay, how do you contain something like love behind okay. a door? Think of Raiders of the Lost Ark. Have you seen the movie? Have you all seen Indiana Jones, Raiders of the Lost Ark? Of yes. Course. At the end of the movie, the Ark of the Covenant <laughs> breaks open and the big white light comes out and everybody has to, well, Indy has to close his eyes because the thing, the sight is too holy for anybody to to see it without their faces getting ripped off. So you're uh-huh. saying it's so great, it's so wonderful. It's, it's a, yeah, Dumbledore himself <laughs> that it said, would rip Harry's face. No, off. no, not Harry's, <laughs> and that's that's very important. But it is locked because well, Dumbledore himself said it needs to be measured in certain quantities, and and it's just of a really big magnitude. Or something. Dumbledore said something exactly like that about you know maybe you need to see maybe you need to wear a smoked glass mask. Uh, like like a welder's mask to go into it. I mean, I, I don't know, but I'm saying it's locked because well, it my guess knife. my guess is that the large majority of people would not be able to hand that, handle that room. Now, as for containing the power of love in that room, I have no clue. But it is the Ministry of Magic, and if if a love, if a concentration of love would be somewhere intelligent for study, it should be there. Um, I don't. It know just how. seems like. How do you – people can't even come up with a definition for love, so how do you contain it? If you ask some high schoolers, it's uh, – well, no, you, you've, been dat- you've been dating well. somebody for two days and, dating oh my god, I'm so in love. Yeah. yeah. No, exactly. <laughs> I, think, I, think I, love, I think I love Subway more than most high schoolers love their boyfriend or girlfriend. <laughs> no, Laura, I, I think – no, you don't need to understand what love is to contain it. That's that's not a, that, a that goes against science. You why do you <laughs> I want to know what love is? <laughs> I want you no. to show. Shut up. No, seriously. <laughs> you contain things so that you can study them. You you trap an insect, a lightning bug to see what it does. You know, it's almost like you know how to catch it before you know what it is you have. That's true about everything. Okay, Eric, how do you catch love? Here, lovey, 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 lovey. I'm sorry, love bug. but I just love bug. I just don't see how it can all like you can just open a door. And right, but all, love all I'm saying, think, all I'm saying you know, is you guys, don't need to know what you, you don't need to be the most educated person in the world yeah, and and know all about the facets of love. You just need to know how to capture it. And a lot of people want to capture things, just need to know how to learn 
Learn how to love it. is love is in okay love is in love is intangible there's no such thing as like uh oh look watch guys you you caught the love bug it doesn't this doesn't have to relate to love because i know ben was making fun of teenagers in love but any time in any of your lives that you have ever been attracted to somebody did you just look at that person and say i think i want to be attracted to this person no it just happens it just happens out of the blue. You can't control it. So how well, what, what, do you... What kind of attraction are you talking? Physical I'm just... Or... I'm talking about just a general attraction. Like, whether it be personality, appearance, whatever. You still have that kind of attraction. And you can't just capture that. You can't just say, I have this. Because you have no control over it. It's the same way with love. Like, like I was saying, love is intangible. It's not like... It's not like you can so, buy love. So what are we talking <laughs> so, about here? So so what I'm saying is, Eric, you're saying you have to know how to capture no, it. No, I'm saying you, you don't have to know. I'm saying no, you don't but, have to but know. But what Laura is saying is there's nothing physical that you can actually capture because yeah. no one knows what you're capturing. Yes, but it's You magic. can't capture something that you don't know what it is. You know ha- what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Voldemort knew, uh, it's a, made it's all It's as though the firefly – in your firefly example, it's as though the firefly was just like – pure light you can't capture it every time you try to grab it your hand goes through it because you don't know enough about it to actually create a physical boundary on it true but voldemort created seven horcruxes and assumably nobody knew how to do that before him maybe he invented okay but a horcrux is a physical thing yes but it's things along the magic world that very few people know about it's it's the extremes of what you can do to your mortal soul or immortal soul okay but case be but, but love isn't an Love object. is everything. Maybe, you know, love is like the force. <laughs> Eric. God. <laughs> Laura, how much, where is it, do you have where they talk about the love room in here? They don't talk the about love the love room. room. It gets mentioned and then it's like. No, yeah. basically Dumbledore said that he didn't specifically call it the love room. He says there's he a just room said, the Department of Mysteries he that said, contains a force, something. He said it contains the power that you have in such great quantities that yeah. Voldemort detests. Love? Uh, He's like, yes, essentially it's love. Okay, but here's my question. Like, why is the love room locked? Because I said a lot of people can't handle okay, that much loving. Okay, this isn't Raiders or whatever. Raiders, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Why is it not? <laughs> this is Harry Potter. No, it's because... the same concept. Okay, is Indiana it's the same Jones concept. in these no, books? But, no, but Listen, if it's a love Eric, of room... Eric, it, the the... Do Your chain agree? of thought is flawed in the fact that if you have a door, it is meant to be opened, and therefore you can view it, view what's inside the room. If you have the right if equipment they, on. If they could not see, if they could not open that door without being blown away, then they would put it in a box that couldn't be opened. Period. No, well, obviously, like Pandora's box, but anyway. Well, what I'm I... saying is a, fr- a death chamber was easily accessible, but a love room isn't. Calling it the love room. Dumbledore always emphasizes the power of Lily's love for him. So exactly. okay, so if love has a lot certain of power, people could open that maybe door. it just shouldn't be no, open. Certain maybe people there's... could open that door. But do you guys agree with me? If Voldemort, if Voldemort opened the love door, would he not get blown away? Would, would he be able to walk? I don't, I don't think he could open the love door. You mean you don't think anybody can? Why is it there? People are studying it. Dumbledore said it was being studied. Something that I noticed was that no one else really seemed to be affected by the love door, but Ron was. It said that he was. Let me look here. 
Ron? Yeah, Ron was. I put it in here somewhere. Hang on. It says, Ron looked at it with a mixture of longing and apprehension, which no one else seemed to feel. So why was it that Ron, he he kept saying stuff like, are you sure we shouldn't look in there? Are you sure we shouldn't try? Or whatever. And no one else really seemed to have, it didn't have that effect on everyone. It was kind of, Maybe it was it's... almost similar to the effect that the veil had on Harry, Ginny, Luna, and Neville. Maybe the love room is actually the room of brotherly love. And nobody has as many brothers as Ron. No, that's no. <laughs> Ginny. Bad. Um, yeah. Bad. Maybe he wants Percy back. Maybe Percy's on the other side. No, maybe Hermione on. was just right next to him in the room. That's where Percy is. All of books. <laughs> this isn't okay. getting anywhere. So let's move. No, along. but what I was saying was Eric mentioned maybe specific people being able to open the door. I don't mean specific people necessarily, but like the trained well, unspeakables instance... who are in the Department of Mysteries who are. The aficionados for opening that kind of door and viewing that kind of thing and studying it. Okay. Like, you need to have a safe environment. Well, I'm sure, but for instance, it just strikes me as kind of funny that Harry couldn't open this door that possesses the same kind of power as he does. Now, you brought up certain people being able to open it, and Ron didn't actually try. So what if he could? What if that was, like, explains the attraction that he felt towards it, because he would somehow be able to open it? Close well, even dog. if he were able to open it, I'm pretty I'm pretty sure it would have burned off the faces of everybody else who wasn't qualified <laughs> to open it. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure this I'm, isn't Raiders well, of the Lost Ark. I'm okay, pretty sure but, that's not the case. But Harry put his, what, Sirius's key thing, key changer, knife. lock changer the knife, knife, into the door, and it melted. So there's only one key for that. You know, I think it's not necessarily okay. even who can maybe open Maybe someone was – hey, guys. A- hey, guys. Maybe someone was cooking something up in there, if you know what I'm saying. Because <laughs> it melted. It's pretty hot. Uh, cooking yeah, up okay. some love. <laughs> that cooking was kind of creepy. Uh, yeah. Shippers. Hey, I wonder how many fanfics have taken place in the love room. How many What? No, they originate in the lust room. Never mind. Fan fiction. The lust oh. room. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> but at the same time, God. it's like death. You know, if there's a death room, when you open it up, when you're not going, you know, I mean, like, if there's a hate room. Yeah, there's a room like, devoted to death. It like you you can, go after it isn't like you can bottle hate. I mean, right. You can bottle emotions. bottle fame, brew glory. <laughs> so, about those prophecies. 2007. <laughs> that was a really good <laughs> no, I like that. I think that's the best transition we've ever had. Okay, well, we kind of we've we've talked about prophecies at length on the show before, so I don't really think we should focus on them for too long. But does anyone think that any other prophecy aside from Harry's is going to play a role in Book Seven? Yes, there's one. There's one prophecy uh, where it has an old woman and a or old man and a woman says that those the are actually will two different you. prophecies. Okay, two different prophecies then. Whereas at the solstice will come anew and none will come after. That those two prophecies, like those lines, were italicized. Yeah, they were definitely emphasized. I think they were important. Ooh, which lines are these? I missed these. You missed something, Uh-oh. Eric? No, I didn't. I didn't. But I've been it's out of the room for a couple episodes, so I'm kind of like, what? What was the second prophecy? That the new will come anew, and the there new was will be not whenever new they whenever they smashed some of the prophecies to escape. Harry specifically heard this wasn't part of the original prophecy. The none can live no. while the other survives. No, this is a separate prophecy. <laughs> you remember when they were whenever the they prophecies. were they were stupefying everything to escape or reducto whatever they were using. One fell and it opened and it said solstice. Yeah, it new said something. at the solstice will come a new, and then another one broke, 
and then it was a woman saying, and none will come after. Oh, no, that that's a joke. Um, because at the solstice, what? there came a new... The fifth Harry Potter book came at the solstice, June 21st, 2003. E- okay, but... <laughs> it's kind of funny, actually. Yeah, I actually, I freaked don't... out about and that. And it's I book five, it says it in. That's a joke I... about the book itself. That's an inside so. joke. I don't, I don't no, know. No, it's not an inside <laughs> joke. Yeah, Joe's like... Joe's slapping her knee about that one. And, and, <laughs> yeah. and there will be seven and none will come after. What it, okay, Eric, you are <laughs> well, one actually, of the... that's kind of interesting. Eric, you're one of the Andrew's biggest. Oh this. my god, that's a crackpot theory. Maybe it's a little Easter egg. She left for a little us. Easter egg. A little know. Easter egg. Joe does those. Happy I can Easter. Okay. Do you guys think? Speaking speaking of smashing prophecies, do you think there are any possible repercussions of them breaking all those prophecies? Are those the only no. records? No, because I, I would assume that they were all cataloged, right? They said they were in well, like an organized well, system. Actually, well, the, the yeah, that's person, what it right. was. So, oh, so they broke you know them. What, assuming they're cataloged, then you would assume that there was some sort of record as again, to what they said. But yeah, no, it says no, no, in no, Order no, of the Phoenix record. that those are just for the for the record, or what does it say, Laura? But you can't. Record well, those what are we're for saying. the yeah. Those are only for the record of the Department of Mysteries, and the only other people right. that know what was said were the people who were present and the people who right. said them. So the if those people are dead, oh, then that prophecy's lost. Yeah, yeah it is, because the ministry themselves can't even hear the prophecies they're keeping, so I don't think there are many. Are you any. sure they're not logged somewhere else? This isn't MuggleNet, no. <laughs> they're not logged somewhere else. <laughs> what would be the point? I mean, prophecies oh, have... No, they have to be protected, though. Especially yeah, ones like Carrie's, you can't you can't just have multiple prophecies lying around, multiple records of them for people to just run across. No, well, I know that, but people... I thought guys, maybe I'm getting you confused can, with what you said. Here, retrieve the prophecy from those little glass balls, the spheres, were the people that it was made about right. or whatever. Um, yes. So the ministry, even though they're cataloging, like who can open each ball or hear something from it. However, you know we don't even know how that's done extracting the actual prophecy from the thing. Um, you know, I don't think there are any repercussions for the uh, for actually destroying them, considering how likely is it, you know, and, and most of the prophecies don't even come true, which is the other thing. And then the ones that do, like, you know, how, do, how exactly do you arrange for an ap- appointment inside the Department of Mysteries to hear your own prophecy? I, I think, you know, what are they for to begin with? Why, what is the point of keeping that room of the Hall of Prophecies? What is that for? Considering the ministry can't hear a darn thing that's in them, and you can't—it doesn't seem to be very easy to go in and find out what it says yourself. It's for the record, first of all. For the record, they can't even record what was recorded, what 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 was said. It's they written can, on the prophecy or something. They say isn't something's it? made to somebody else. You know, it's made by Sybil uh, um, something something Trelawney to Albus Percival Wolf right. Brian Dumbledore. And right. that's all it says, but it doesn't say what it is. And unless yes, you it smash does. it, no. Unless no. you smash it, the you cannot hear it unless you smash it. And even then, you have to. Well, remove... that's the only method we've seen. No, but the only oh, okay. people who can in the book it, remove the prophecy. The only people who can remove the prophecy from the shelf are the people it was made about. But I, I wonder yeah. about the people who are storing it there. How they get it there? Well, I, I don't know. Okay, no, no. On the prophecy, it says, and Ron saw it too. SPT to APWBD, Dark Lord and Harry Potter. Yeah, that's oh. all it says. It doesn't say the whole prophecy. Well, no, Eric, Eric, Eric said it only oh. just said who it's from and to. 
So take no, that, Eric, okay. so, to save those 50 complaint emails. Yeah, but you would assume <laughs> that description came from the person who actually created the record of the prophecy. Maybe they can touch like, it. Like, you know, like Dumbledore said, hey, this is the prophecy concerning Dark Lord and Harry Potter. Store for me. And that, well, maybe, well, we know, thanks to what well, Voldemort says, that the only people who are able to remove it from the shelf once it's on there is the people it was made about, or to, or about, actually, the people it concerns. When he grabbed it, it felt as though it had been lying in the sun for hours, as though the glow of the light within was warming it. Just a little tidbit there. I've read that line in fan fiction many times. And so... Okay. Anyway. It's uncalled for. No, listen, but, they, but, once, but, you know, I guess since they know it about, and you proved me wrong, Andrew, about that, since they know what it regards, I guess the person who made the record of the prophecy is able to touch the prophecy and place it on the shelf. But I don't know. We don't we don't know anything about the storage of them except that those are the only the only people who can remove it are the people it was made about or recorded to have been made about. And that, that's it. I I would just hate to be the sound guy, you know, putting in that sound of smashing glass on the 10 million digital uh glass spheres that are going to go off in the, the fifth movie. The fifth movie. Well, that's what they're paid for, Eric. Yeah, that so is what I they're paid for. You're right. They make a 100 times more than what and, we'll um, ever make. That's right. That's right. Planets. Let's talk about planets. If you'll remember, if you'll remember Ron, Ginny, and Luna all ended up in a planet room. Yeah, do you think Pluto was a planet in that room? Did anybody see Pluto? Was Pluto mentioned? Because I'm interesting if J.K.R. Well, thinks no, no, no. Pluto's you know what's planet. you know what I thought was you know what I thought was funny that um Luna mentioned that she blew up Pluto, <laughs> which I th- thought was kind of nerdily funny. Oh, uh, that's kind of ironic because it's not planet yeah. anymore. <laughs> Maybe so, she. Anyway. Knew. What's being studied in the planet room? Maybe the Uranus. Maybe. Oh, that's so funny! Not. Thank you. Good I night. mean, we know that the planets do have some, some like the alignment of the planets right. do have some effect on showing what's to come. So I would assume they're trying to study the positions and current state of things. Yeah, Kevin, can you explain the string theory? As no, it applies to not, astronomy. I have not explained the string theory. But it's good. Oh, it yeah, good. it's good, but it is not something to be explained on a Harry Potter uh, podcast. <laughs> oh, right, right, right. You don't even understand it. But I knew you it. could, so I thought I'd ask. But <laughs> Google or Wicca, the string theory, if you're interested, many people have speculated the alignment of the planets has a lot to do with Earth itself and gravity and Earth turning. And yeah, it's just Earth concerning – it's essentially concerning where gravity actually comes from because gravity is a force but what actually is a force it's just and what started it string well, theory is a model of fundamental physics whose building blocks are one-dimensional extended objects <laughs> whatever the hell that know, means no seriously though you know if earth stopped turning we'd all go flying through the wall at approximately a hundred thousand yes. kilometers per second that'd yeah. stink that would really stink time would go on <clears throat> all right so but... to me a planet room in the department of mysteries like in Professor uh, Professor Trelawney's class, there's always the question of, you know, or the alignment of the planets, it foretells your future. Maybe that's what they're studying. Yeah, that's what I thought. The, Absolutely. Yeah, but Friends pretty much said that, that was crap. Side of. He did, but how how accurate is are, are their thoughts about all this? Because he was downplaying everything that Trelawney was bringing up. Yeah, well... It, Ferenc himself said that the stars have been read wrongly by centaurs, too, so I don't think anybody right. 
you know, so I, nobody really knows. It, it doesn't seem like the planet room would do much good. Yeah, but, but maybe it might. I mean, it's well, they're trying. Yeah, of course, it's well, like, something that they may not ever understand, but they're trying. These to understand. departments, and it's interesting talking about these departments, but I don't know that we'll ever get knowledge of what the Ministry Wizards have learned from these planets, considering they're kind of just there for a show in a way. But you who know, would they show them? It's to? cool to have a planet room, and it's. <laughs> yeah, it, well, it's cool to see. I what, don't think you know, there it would for be great show. to ask J.K. Rowling, "Hey, what have these scientists uh, uncovered about planets in this room?" But it's not written. You, you know, it's 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 not it's not written in the room. Is there? But Joe couldn't tell us about a meteor that's actually coming towards you know us or anything like that based on the studies of these wizards. What I'm saying is, this room is a room, but we wouldn't <laughs> like we could hear her theories on what's in the love room, but beyond that, you know. Like, she wrote it, and it's a matter of, yes, there's a planet room, but does that mean that they actually know stuff, and, and that, that's going to come into play in the books? Yeah, okay, yeah. speaking of speaking of rooms, um, I thought it was interesting, because as I was rereading these chapters, I noticed that there are obviously 12 doors in the circular room, and they went through, they went oh, through five huh. of them, which leaves... Guess how many that we don't know about? Six. Seven. Seven. That oh. wonderful yeah, wow. 12 number. minus five is six, and Andrew's Seven. shrinking into the woodwork. So what I thought was kind of interesting, though, and it's not really important, I guess, but all of the rooms that they were in were kind of connected. Like, the brain room led directly into the death chamber. You the, think about that. Yeah, the time room led into the Hall of Prophecy. And the planet room must have also been accessible from the Hall of Prophecy, because Ron, Ginny, and Luna ran in the opposite direction of Harry, Hermione, and Neville. To me, it makes sense for uh, time and space well, exactly. to be related well, to death. What I'm saying is it's all kind of connected the way every aspect of your life is connected. So we'd assume that those 12 doors and 12 are all rooms, connected. presumably, are the twelve aspects well, of not, life, not as we necessarily the twelve aspects. Yeah, planets of life. are an aspe- aspect well, of love life. Love and death, love and death, and space and time, time, space, love, death. But I mean, obviously, we didn't see everything that the Department of Mysteries had to show, and there are obviously seven doors left. Do you think we're going to find out what's behind them? I don't think so. Yeah. How Harry's going to kill Voldemort? <laughs> <laughs> now Harry knows what where God the Voldemort room. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, hey, there should be like a it's like the tyrannical remains of his previous. Well, dark well we room. could assume that one of those doors leads directly into the planet room, which would take us down to six. That's true, but I'm, it just—I don't know. I'm you guys all know. I, yeah, but that... I think that she—I think she touched on the rooms that she wanted. Yeah, to that's exactly what I was saying. And about although the we planet. may see we may see them in passing, I don't think they're gonna play a huge see, role in the events. Know. You guys, maybe there's like a break room. Funny, oh, we so kind of missed the point. Are you JK thinking that she's go. going to use a bathroom? You gotta have a bathroom down there. <laughs> yeah, that is a big part of life, isn't it? <laughs> you know, yeah. they call the toilet the think tank. <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's what scarred Ron it was oh the, uh... no never mind let's not go there I don't know you guys know how I feel about the Department <laughs> the of Mysteries <laughs> you guys know how I feel about the Department of Mysteries and I don't know and... how do you feel shut up I've been stressing it since like 
last year that I think okay, that Harry's... Okay, sorry, new listeners. You don't get to know how Laura feels because... Okay, I am explaining to... Anderson's... Sorry, new listeners. Yep, we're supposed to all guess because we're all new listeners. <laughs> it's okay, Laura. Don't worry about it. Yeah, we'll no, it as I was about to, to Laura, explain Andrew, before I was so rudely be interrupted by this New Jersey kid, <laughs> I think that the Department of Mysteries is extremely important and I think that Harry's going to go back and learn a lot about it. I've said it multiple times. I think we're... How's he going to get in? Well, they wanted to be a spokesman. Yeah, I think he has a pretty she big. Got in uh, once before. N- no, it's not only that, Eric. I think I think that the ministry is going to treat Harry slightly differently now that they know that Voldemort is back. Yeah, exactly. For sure. I think I think because people he, inside I don't know if the that ministry, still gives him a reason to go into the right. Department but of I think so. I think if he wants to see the Department of Ministries, all he has to do is walk right up to it and go, "Hey, I need to see in there because it pertains to Voldemort." I don't think Scrimjow is going to let him in. Yeah, I don't. I, I see him having pretty much free reign. Yeah, if, I think that. Well, well if um, he Harry's, I, I think no. Yeah, I seriously I, think that Harry's. Um, I think his battle with the Ministry is over. I really I do. Th- no, I, think I really he needs think to, it is. Well, I, yeah. Still, there will be politicians who hate him, like Lucius Malfoy and Rufus Scrimjow. Well, of course, but but they, no, they I think the general. I, I think the general people will, uh, and if they see him coming in to work. You know, even if it is to go to the Department of Mysteries, him being at the Ministry is kind of doing what the Ministry wants of Harry. Exactly. Anyway. Well, yeah, but I think the only reason they would let him in is because they know he could, you know, raise a fuss and you know get something printed in the Daily Prophet, maybe or something. Which is like true. That. He I has a lot of power, essentially. Yeah, he does. He does. He has political tons state of, things of power. Ooh, that's interesting. The power that he now has, not based on how he's matured as a wizard, but just how he's viewed in society, that power has grown dramatically since Voldemort's been back. Well, yeah, because right. he's the only one that can kill Voldemort. No, well, yeah, but Andrew said that. You know, if Harry says something to the paper, not that the paper prints anything because the ministry leans on it, but that's okay. Go back to the quibbler. Yeah, but as you'll remember, yeah, oh, well, exactly. the Daily Prophet started printing articles about the truth at the end of Order of the Phoenix. Yes. <laughs> what do you mean? The one that said Voldemort is back? Yeah. Well, of course they had to. Well, they sort of had to. Yeah, but see, now now everyone has to listen to Harry because they looked like complete idiots. That's true. That's true. And nobody wants to look like an idiot. I feel like debating something. I feel like leaving. Kevin has to go, everyone, so uh, everyone say bye to Kevin. Bye, Kevin. Bye, Kevin. Goodbye, everyone. Oh, no, but wait a second. Wait a second. Letting him back into the Department of Mysteries, I don't think they will. Because I... I he well, would have who, to provide it a valid I don't think it, excuse. I don't think it matters. I think that whether they let him in or not, he's going to go. I think yeah, that I th- no, he'd I don't think he's going to go. I think he should go. I think he should go. I think that people will let him in if they see him, but I don't I I hope Harry becomes the kind of person who cares a lot about studying what's in that room. He might bring Hermione in with him. He might ask, no. I don't know, do you think Harry could actually talk face to face with the people the unspeakables who are actually in the department mystery, maybe they'll be slightly more speakable about what they've learned. I don't know. I still kind of wonder if Lily wasn't unspeakable. There's really no support behind that, but it would be interesting. Well, because nobody's talking about it. And because there's not much yes, reason. A... Yeah, there's no reason enough. behind it, but I think it would make sense just because Joe said that one of them would have to have a high-paying career. And she said that know, the maybe... employment was kind of important. Yeah, maybe it was James, and he went back in time so. and gave himself a penny 
in the time room, or he gave himself a newt, and then he went back in time and got the newt, and gave himself a newt and got the newt, and that, that's, how, that's how Harry has the fortune. So I think that wraps up our discussion on the Department of Mysteries. Yeah. It was a good three-piece thing. Thing. Thinger. Three-piece yeah. Laura, you'd been <laughs> wanting to talk suit. about it for a while. What's next, Laura? Laura, what's what next? next? What do you mean, what's next? Your discussion. I like the series thing. In case, I don't, should we do series? Well, sometimes. Series I mean, not all the time. We have a we have a couple emails now, a couple more emails. Christina, sixteen of Canada, writes, "Hey, Mugglecasters, this rebuttal is for Jamie." On episode well, fifty nine, he said that people are. <laughs> I know. <laughs> On episode fifty nine, he said that people are curious about the things that they hate. Sorry, Jamie, but there's living proof that what you said is not true. She lives in Georgia. If people are really curious about things they hate, then why doesn't Mrs. Mallory pick up a Harry Potter book and actually read it? Whoa, okay. snap, Christina. Mm, I don't girl. think so. Because okay, the truth the truth about Laura Mallory is she has picked up a Harry Potter book. She has skimmed them, but she hasn't actually read them. She's curious enough about them to actually open them up and look at them. I think that people are curious about the things they hate. How many times I think they are afraid okay, of what they hate. I'm gonna When's the next year, Laura? I don't know. They haven't scheduled it. But um for instance, you know. Okay, we're done talking every... about Laura Mallory. No, it was just no, no, a quick no. email I wanted uh, to read. And no, okay. What I'm saying over. is that is that every single person who listens to this show, for instance, has gone out and searched for a person that they hate on MySpace because they're curious about what that person's MySpace looks you know, like. That's a good idea. I so, think I think if Laura Mallory well, I, stirs I think... up any more trouble with her stuff. What she's going to do, we should give out her phone number, encourage every single visitor to call her. Ooh, that would be pretty good. I'd like that idea. I finally have a MuggleCast dating service update. I finally got one. Um, we put these two together, and i um, really happy about it. Actually, I'm, I'm completely making that up. I haven't put any two together because it's, it's, very, it's a very uh, messy business trying to put people together. But we got this email Actually, the other day. Actually, I think day. the MuggleCast dating service pretend, is like, responsible for... John knowing Kelly Egan, don't you feel so? Oh, I actually I would agree with that statement. Yes, I we got this e- uh, email the other day from Chris fifteen of Arkansas. He writes about his uh, dating service success story. So I didn't use the actual dating service, but I just got my first girlfriend in five years because she was listening to her iPod when she came outside as I was playing basketball, and I asked her what she was listening to, and she said. Mugglecast. No, Mugglecast. That was <laughs> that was when we clicked and started talking about Harry Potter, among other things like football, baseball, cross country. She's a runner. She's the first person in my town that I've met that listens to Mugglecast, and she's smoking hot too. I finally found someone <laughs> that's smart, not quite as smart as me, but it'll work. Whoa, I've got a four point two. She has a three point eight. That's terrible. Whoa. Okay. How do you compare? Let's keep going. Let's keep going. How do you compare your girl's intelligence to? As a personality, we talk on the phone for hours without. uh, We talk on the phone for end. No, we talk on the phone for hours on on end end. without boredom. Is athletic, so I'm not alone in that department. Like I said, she runs cross country, and I play baseball for my high school team. And is beautiful. Now wait a second. Doesn't smoke and hot and beautiful. Never mind. That combination is near impossible to come by in my school. I'm about the only person that is a geek and chuck at the same time. So it's uh, so it's very nice to have someone like that move in next door because everyone is either one extreme or the other. But, 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 her landlord was being a bully and called the new landlord and got her kicked out. So now she's going to a different school, but it's all right. So there you go, guys. Next time you see someone random in the hallway, ask Gee, them what it, they're listening to, and it could very well. 
be MuggleCast. It, it must have been that 3.8 grade yeah, point average that got him out of school. Yeah. I wouldn't. He's got a 4.2, so he's safe. Advice but. to guys out there: Don't say you're smarter than your girlfriends. It's not a good idea. Yeah, she listens to MuggleCast, dude. <laughs> yeah. It's not like she yeah, wants to find so out. Email us next week and let us know how the breakup goes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, there's your success Crazy story. Break, 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 break up with him. Yeah. Okay, yeah. you hear me? What, what's her name? Do you know her name? Do you know her name? Did it say her name? Uh, no, I knew it, but it was on her MySpace. Well, anyways, you know what? Break up with him. He, you're too good for him. Okay, he obviously does not appreciate you. Yeah, he he may be a jock and a, and a geek at the same time. But do you really want both ends of the? I think it's terrible. You guys are talking uh, him out of it. I don't appreciate that kind of attitude that you guys are sharing here on the show. Sorry. And um, right, we're gonna have a right, talk right, after right. we've finished recording because I'm not happy not happy with, with what At the attitude you're bringing to the show. Because we have such I don't an appreciate it. Excellent track record with this whole dating service. Yeah. Thing. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, anyway, it's time, guys, that we have another debate. Another debate. We did one of these. We did another. We did one of these a uh, few weeks That's ago. That's debatable, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> we did one of these a few weeks ago, and we got a lot of great feedback about it. And then we didn't do another one. We'd plan to, but we just didn't. So, we're gonna do another I'll one. I'll take now, over ben. here. Okay, reminder. Quick reminder about the format. Each side, the affirmative and negative, or the pro and the con, each gets two minutes to present their case over the topic. And this week's topic is. In times of war, the Wizarding World should lift the decree for the restriction of underage wizardry. Okay. On I would like Andrew, Andrew and, and Laura first. <laughs> are saying that they should not lift the restriction. And Eric is on his own side. He's bidding by himself. So if he pulls this out, it's a miracle, folks. Because... He has, he has one mind working his other two. Okay. I think either and, way, Andrew and I yeah. look really bad. So just, just as a reminder here, we have two minutes. Two minutes each side gets two minutes to answer case. Then there will be about five minutes of this five minutes of discussion. Then they each get a minute to sum up their position. I just want to say something first. Um, the one big piece of feedback we got about this segment was that it sounds like we're yelling at each other and we don't. You know, we it That's sounded like debate. we don't like each other. Yeah, it's just a debate. We don't actually, you know, if it sounds like we're getting angry at each other, well, which we shouldn't. I mean, well, we're just okay, we're just we passionate but... <laughs> about what we do. Okay, that's all it is. Right. And uh, one of the still thing, love each other. It's not. Don't take it one serious. other thing. Remember, there will be a poll on there will be a poll on MuggleCast.com. Vote for who you think the winners are. Um. My vote, I'll, I'll decide who I think won at the end of the debate. My vote counts for 25% of the vote. But remember, do not side with me just because I'm Ben Shane. Vote for whoever you think won. Okay? <laughs> no, no, seriously. Last week, last time, last time there was some uh, some people who were angry because they thought that the only okay. reason that Jamie and I won was because Andrew voted for us, which <laughs> was obviously not true because we, That's we not stomped true. them. Anyways, oh, yes, uh, it was. Yes, remember, vote for honestly whoever you think won. So we never said that on the last. Uh, we never said announced on the show who won yeah. the last yeah, debate. It was it Jamie, was ben and Jamie. Lauren, Eric, by popular vote too. So we got about we got about two thirds <laughs> of the votes of the fan vote. Then plus Andrew's twenty five percent. So yeah, we we won. Okay, now let's get things started. Andrew and Laura, 
No, actually, hold on a second. Actually, uh, the affirmative has to start first. They should lift it. First of all, it, my main problem with the decree of the restriction of underage wizardry is that it's crap. It's complete, complete crap. Even when, even when not in war, they should, they should completely abolish this rule, this law. It does nothing. It does absolutely nothing but protect people, or, or, or rather, hurt the people that don't deserve it. Um, you know, Harry didn't even uh, use the the hover charm that Dobby did, and and he got he got slagged for it, and it it was held against him in the large Wizengamo trials later on when it was it was just complete crap. Harry didn't do a charm in his own house, but just because he doesn't happen to live with magical relatives under their house, he gets he gets all this flag flack for magic being done in his house in front of muggles. Anybody who's anybody could walk into his house and, and like do magic and he would get in trouble for it. And I don't think that's fair at all. Now, on the other hand, if you live in a wizarding family like the Weasleys, you can play Quidditch every other weekend out in your backyard with with poles and brooms and, and, and you can have such a more fruitful life rather living you know with magic i really feel bad for the people who don't live in wizarding houses because they have to figure everything out once they get to hogwarts whereas the wizarding community you know oh it's the parents responsibility to make sure the kids don't do anything yeah bull crap the, the parents will be t- teaching their kids everything they know just like that's how regular parenting takes place um so my finalizing uh, reasons for the restriction of underage wizardry being lifted is that in times of war, especially, it'll be very hard to track uh, everything. Hang on. Are you guys still on? Okay, because somebody jumped out. All right. In times of wizarding war, it'll be even harder to track that kind of thing. Who's going to be in whose houses? Everybody's going to be hiding. Uh, it doesn't work to begin with. It's a flawed system. Just leave it as it is, and and that's pretty much it. Just leave, just leave it. It's, it's absolute crap. It, it punishes the wrong people for the wrong reasons, and... Now that it's wartime, you just got to get rid of it. Okay. Now, the negative. You have two minutes to respond. There there are concrete reasons as to why the ban on underage wizardry shouldn't be lifted, and the first of which is that it can seriously compromise the ability to detect other illegal magic going on. Say, if the Ministry is trying to keep tabs on what all is going on magically, a thousand underage witches and wizards casting spells to their heart's content could clog the system as it were, making ministry and aura responses much less effective. Um, Eric mentioned that child safety should be considered, and he's right. However, I think it's important to remind ourselves that students are already allowed to defend themselves. The decree for the restriction of underage wizardry specifies that um, underage wizards are allowed to use magic in cases where defense is required. Not to mention if you're Having a bunch of untrained wizards running around casting magic spells that they don't quite know how to use, you can end up causing a lot more harm because people could get hurt. Eric's only real point there was that it's crap that you you would be able to uh, that you should that you should keep it on because it just doesn't make sense. If you were to remove this ban, it would be mayhem. That's what it comes down to. It would just be mayhem. Well, not kids, to mention... Just think of the bad kids who would be able to go out and, you know, do some, you know, cause some disaster in their local muggle neighborhood. And they wouldn't be able to get in trouble for that? I mean, under some rule, they might. They might. Well, I mean, but... when you think about it, it's not like the average student could defend themselves from a Death Eater or Voldemort himself anyhow. 
So isn't it better to keep things the way they are in terms of students continuing their educations in a safe Three, environment two, where magic one. is regulated? Yeah. Stop. Okay. Now, now, now. Five. Uh, let's say, let's say about, yeah. Until I say stop. About yeah, five, roughly five minutes of a uh, crossfire here. All right, Eric. One of one of the first examples you cited was that children in wizarding homes can perform magic. Um, I don't think that's necessarily true. You've, for instance, said that they can play Quidditch. Well, you're not actually performing magic when you play Quidditch. The objects themselves are magical. So it's not like by the Weasley children playing Quidditch, they're breaking the decree for underage wizardry and not getting in trouble for it. They're certainly breaking or infringing upon the uh, Muggle Protection Act. No, they're not because make, you know, they, they're making themselves seen. No, they're by, not. By, but they don't. By, they don't live in a muggle community. Visible. That's true. But but just things like that. I'm saying people who grow up in wizarding families can be so much more well-rounded, uh, just because of their 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 family, and there there's no consequences um, as a result. Of, now, I, I don't think it's a big deal too much, though, because I do agree with what you guys said about uh, muggle children. Uh, you know, being held accountable for going and turning their muggles face into goo or something next door, you know, but that's a home problem too. And, and, and that's, I, I don't necessarily know what the, the ministry is so afraid about as far as that goes. But what I'm saying is that even though you are allowed to use magic, if you're defending yourself, that's way after they take you to court, that, that e- any of that information is found out. You, you get a court sentence, an owl through so your window. It doesn't matter. And, and you so still don't, you're still not found guilty of it. Right, but in the time of war, in a time of war, so many people are going to be defending themselves. So many people who are younger and maybe even can't do it, but they're going to be using magic. Exactly. So and that'll can you, probably can you imagine the expense of owls that that'll that hmm. that'll be sent out if anybody wants to maintain. But Eric, this because it's just because it's a time of war, those regulations are probably going to change. Right. They're and not so they're many, not going uh, to bring instances. people to court for defending themselves against dementors anymore. It's not going to happen right. well, because Harry's already proven that Voldemort's back and that people are going to have to do that. So you're kind of basically saying that the ban will be lifted anyway. No, I'm not saying the ban will be lifted. I'm saying people aren't going to be hauled to court every time they defend themselves. So it's not oh, like we're well, going to have still be a Apparently breaking this re- restriction, so but they're if, not if it's breaking the place. restriction because they're defending themselves, and it's already in the but decree that they're that? allowed to. They needed a witness. Dumbledore needed to bring in Mrs. No, Fig to prove Harry's trial, to prove that Eric. they were defending themselves. What I'm saying is that so many people will be defending themselves. There's so many instances where people are, are where underage wizards more often than not are going to be using magic to defend themselves. It's a complete waste of well, time. Eric, and that's, and that's a, complete that's a terrible of, example. You, yeah. If you citing reference Harry's his court trial, trial is Umbridge a really admitted, bad example. Umbridge admitted herself that she sent the Dementors after him, so how could you yeah, say? Yeah, it was the ministry trying <laughs> to get Harry into trouble. Right. It's not a good example. Okay. You can't you can't take Harry's trial and say that's going to be the average experience of every person who uses defensive magic because it's not. No, in in year two he still got the owl through the. I mean, in in many instances or many cases the owl worsened things for Harry or it didn't it sure didn't help. Um, and the other thing too that I wanted to say about this is that I think once you. I don't really like the idea that you're not able to use magic when you get home from Hogwarts. I don't necessarily agree with that. Now, that has to do with the underage wizard thing as well. Um, there's no way to refine your technique or, or do anything with magic unless you're being schooled. And I can kind of see they want people to come out well-rounded and, and, and well 
I just think there's a large unaccountability. Like, for instance, Tom Riddle, had he been uh, living at a magic home, could have done far more evil and and not gotten reprimanded for it uh, when when he was home from the holidays just because he lived in in a magical institution. Now he didn't. It so happens that he didn't. But if he so had, you think we I'm should lift the like ban so that people like no. Draco could run around and cast terrible spells and even more mayhem? No. I'm saying Draco can cast terrible magical spells. Not as much as, as he, much as he wants not to. Not as much as he'd be as able to. As much as he to. wants to. Yes, under his own roof, because Lucius is a respected member of society. His son could get away we're with not, doing so much. But we're so not even talking him. about the past right now. We're talking about the future because they're in the middle of the war. If Draco's not even with his dad anymore, it doesn't matter because they're going to know that. If if they have detections of an underage wizard running around the British countryside performing magic, they're going to know it. Well, either way, they're both of age now, or they will both be of age soon, Draco and Harry. Um, but it's just a matter I, – I really think it's flawed. I really think that there should not be uh, a repercussion considering it's – they don't even have to do magic to get flagged. Somebody else does magic in their home, it, like Dobby or something. It just – you're blamed I for something you, you didn't do. I think it's flawed because there is – like Laura brought up in – her opening thing you you are allowed to use magic if it is for defensive purposes like against a dementor so how do you think how do you, how is it flawed okay dobby uses hover charm harry gets sentenced or he gets a warning an official warning that yeah. if he later gets warnings will bring okay. him to court that's that's a flaw that's a flawed i don't i'm not following you uh he didn't do the magic and he didn't do the crime but he's going to do the time but he didn't he didn't that do any time for it yeah no he didn't that time but how many how, how many more times would Dobby have had to go in and use a charm and he would get slain? I'm, I'm saying, first of all, you're saying it's okay because he didn't do the time that he's still getting uh, officially labeled as that? Officially, yes, it, because it's if they gave him a record. warning, it's not like they automatically flipped out on him and said, that's it. No, but they had the record that he was being warned. They had the record that he was warned and made him look bad. The thing and of is, course they Eric, were trying to prove he was looking bad. Eric, it was a rare situation. Again, using Harry as an example here isn't the best Waited yeah. to defend yourself because all, okay, but Harry's no, because have. all sorts of unusual events happen to Harry. Not every muggle-born or muggle-raised child is going to have a house elf in their house performing magic. It's not going to happen. Which is true. So there are there true. are obvious exceptions to the way systems work. It's how it happens. But well, clearly the idea that a parent of a wizarding child will be responsible enough to prevent their kid from doing harmful magic to muggles is completely a flawed idea. Okay, that wraps, okay. Up, that wraps up our little crossfire section there. Um, yeah, so Laura and Andrew, you have one minute to tell me why they should not... why in times of war... They should not lift the ban. It would just be a huge mistake. There would be mayhem on the streets. Who knows? Maybe someone, a wizard, could make a mistake in casting a spell on someone because they, because you know, everyone's on edge. So maybe they'll, you know, see someone and be like, "Ah, Avada Kedavra." Okay, maybe not that bad, but well, just like in times of war in our world, do we say it's okay for underage children to run around with guns? I mean, it's and just for instance, whenever you're learning to drive, just because you know, you may need to go to the store by yourself or because your parents are home, it doesn't mean you can drive by yourself if you haven't been certified. 
So these underage people who are learning how to use magic and they haven't refined their technique yet, they obviously can't run around using magic unmonitored. And the only place that the ministry has a common ground on monitoring that magic is at Hogwarts. So they shouldn't be able to perform it outside of school. And this is all assuming that uh, during this war there are going to be random attacks on people. And even if there is, that's where uh, you are allowed to defend yourself. Eric? Tell me why they should lift the the decree. I think on principle, it's a a decent idea that you have to restrict kids who are obviously not in a closed environment supervised by an elder to use magic. And that in itself is is a good idea, but I don't personally think that it works uh, the same way that it should. It prevents magic from being done in front of muggles, maybe. But at the same time, you could still bring muggles to a wizarding household and perform all sorts of crap on them, especially if you're a pure-blood wizard who hates muggles. You could do so many things to muggles, and there would be no way of detecting it, almost. Uh, I'm trying to think that maybe there's something in the ministry that goes along with this that allows uh, somebody to tell what charm was used, such as the hover charm. Uh, you know, So there's some way of maybe flagging houses or detecting what kind of magic is used in a particular instance, so maybe in the war, uh, even if a muggle accidentally or is 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 hit by an un- inexperienced wizard, uh, there might be some record of it. I'm just saying it shouldn't be banned. People should not have to, not necessarily count for their actions, but I'm trying to think a situation where they are actually, you know. Um, Trying to vandalize streets when they're running from Voldemort. I think during wartime, the I I I think it's very unlikely or not unlikely, but I think they've got bigger fish to fry than the um you know little kids who are going to be running around the street. You know nobody's going to be running around. They're going to be hiding in their houses waiting for Voldemort. I'm good. Good debate, everybody. I'm I'm very impressed. A few comments before I I give my decision. Uh. Something that, uh, that, Eric, you should have spent more time on in your first little spiel there was that it says in times of war. You spent a lot of time explaining why the decree for the restriction of underage wizardry was just bad to begin with. But you should have spent time saying, okay, in times of war, these people are going to be under threat. Uh, why should the ministry have to worry about little kids casting spells when uh, they could be being attacked, you know? Um Laura and Andrew, something that you should have mentioned more, and especially in your last little thing, was that uh, whenever there's a t- whenever uh, your your life is being threatened, it is okay for you to use it. So therefore, it doesn't matter if the decree is lifted because they can use it when they absolutely need to. But Eric, well, I know, but you should. I said I'm saying you should have mentioned that in your last thing. But Eric, something something that you should have brought up. Like in response to that was not just about the the hassle it's going to bring on the ministry. I like the thing you brought up about the owls, but that um, when they're when parents aren't around as much, they're good. They may need magic to make their lives easier and perform everyday activities, and not just uh, against Death Eaters. You know what I'm saying? If that makes any sense. But yeah. Overall, I think it was good. I don't know if this is going to be the popular decision here, but I'm going to have to vote with the affirmative or Eric's goal. Oh, no, 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 hold on, hold on. Hold on, no, here's... No, here's why. Here's why. He made a good point that you should... That you're saying... That you guys brought up, okay, 
that they should only be allowed to defend themselves when they're quote-unquote qualified to defend themselves. And uh, I think that's a really good point, that they should lift the ban on Andre's wizardry just because of the hassle it's going to cause. When there's going to be more attacks, the ministry's, uh, like the ministry's forces are going to be spread thin to begin with. So they're going to need absolutely everybody, and they're not going to need to be tracking underage magic because it's too much of a hassle, especially when these people are going to be attacked. And something else that he did mention in his last little spiel is that these people are, these kids aren't going to go out destroying streets just because they're allowed to use magic, that it's going to be used when they absolutely need to defend themselves. So there you have it. Eric Skull wins, in my opinion. All right. It's up to the listeners now to decide. No, yeah, it's up to the listeners to decide. Remember, it's up to the listeners if you honestly think Andrew... delusional. Jeez. Okay, if you <laughs> honestly think that Eric and I mean Andrew and Laura won the debate, please vote for them. Do not let my decision bear on yours, have any weight on yours at all. And something else that's important to mention: please don't let this turn into a popularity contest about oh, I think I think Andrew's the coolest host, so I'm going to vote for Andrew. Don't make it or, or about or Eric that. is make funny. He talks too much or arguments. anything like that. So we already know I am the coolest yeah. host. So just oh, you are. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm just yeah. saying. Uh, yeah. Alphabetically, <laughs> so dude. See, you're, I, you're I have to start one. saying I'm just kidding after everything I say because then I get these emails about how big of a head I have. People don't understand. I'm just doing it to be sarcastic Yeah, and people funny. T- in the comments, oh my god, did you see them last week? Yeah, they you were going on about how, you guys have big heads. No, about we how don't. Me, I think it was like me, Micah, and Kevin were the only ones who weren't egotistical now Down or something. The, yeah. And listen, <laughs> it's a joke. We're just kidding. When I, when I act arrogant... Like saying that I we already know I'm the coolest host. I'm just kidding. I don't really mean that. Yeah, he does. Well, yes, I do. But <laughs> the point is, no, I'm, I'm serious. I'm, it's just a joke, okay? Please don't take it seriously. <laughs> just tired of hearing that. <laughs> On that note, I think it is time we start saying goodbye. Oh wait, there's something at the bottom of the right, Lee. What is this? It's number nine, British Joe. Um, yeah, well, you're not British. That was when. That was. I was back yesterday when we thought Jamie was going to be on, but we said Jamie before is off we, learning his French. Before we flip the easy button. Wee oui, wee. Oui. <laughs> yeah, guys, the decision of who would host this week came down to this little sound. That was easy. We had to flip the easy button to decide would it be Laura coming on the show or Jamie coming on the show because it was either one or the other that we had to sacrifice. Um, and Jamie lost. It landed on the uneasy side. The easy side sounds like this. That was easy. So... There you go. That's how we decide things here around MuggleCast. <laughs> so, <laughs> next time you need something decided, just let me know and I'll flip the easy button for you. Yeah. <laughs> you're at staff. Anyway. Anyways, the P.O. Box. P.O. Box 223 Moundridge, Kansas 67107. Send us anything. Send us anything except Subway gift cards. Send those to Darfur, <laughs> please. You can also call the MuggleCast voicemail box. You can dial 12820 Magic. And if you're in the United Kingdom, you can dial 020-8144-0677. If in Australia, <laughs> where we lost the award and we'll probably be canceling that number because apparently nobody likes us down there, you can yeah. call 020-8003-5668. You can also Skype the username MuggleCast to leave your voicemail question, comment, or concern. If you're an inspiring stalker and wish to view images of... You can view our MySpace. Perfect transition. <laughs> MySpace.com slash MuggleCastFans. We also got the Facebook. We got the YouTube group. We got the Frapper group. We also have the fan listing and forums. Please vote um, for us on Podcast Alley. Show your support. And rate and review us on Yahoo Podcasts. 
Yeah, just want to say again, thanks to everyone for listening. This is the love room right here. <laughs> this is love room. Something's heating up. Love Shack is a little old place where we can get together. <laughs> love Shack, baby. I'm Andrew Sims. Love Shack. Someone save me. Yep. I am Ben Shane. I'm Laura Thompson. And I am Eric Skull. Kevin. And I'm Kevin Stack. Jamie. Uh, I'm Jamie Lawrence. Uh, Micah? I'm Micah Tannerbaum. <laughs> we'll see everyone next week for episode 61! Woo! You guys want something... Really messed up with time. I was born April twenty third, Eastern Standard Time, twelve eleven, right after midnight. But in about seven time zones in the wor- in the world, I was born on April twenty second. And and it was even like yeah yeah. So if you were wow. on my birthday, that that's like people wow. who are born on the extra day in a leap year. Technically, they're only what four years old. Well, no, it's not even that random. Like anybody born anybody born on the East Coast within like the first six hours of the day. You know, it's a different date somewhere else around the world, but I guess that's true with any time of day. It's 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 Whoa. pretty much yeah. you know. Right. So yeah. Yeah. everybody everybody has like <laughs> if I was born at eleven p.m. I, I think no, the no, extra no. day in a leap year. Okay. I think being born on the extra day in a leap year is it just tops that, Eric. If sir, Eric, you're just trying to make yourself yeah. feel unique. Yeah. That's like it. You have four birthdays or something. <laughs> No, but, 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 in the year 2000, my birthday was Easter Sunday, and I thought I was, like, prodigal son or something. I was, like, all flipping out. It was really cool. I I knew you were going to say that. (laughs) I knew it was coming. (laughs) Guys, I have the answer. You know who gave it to me? Bono? Bono. Oh, Bono. Bono. I have an answer. It's in his song called Mercy. Love How is when I lie. It? Love puts the blue back in my eye. Love has come again. Yeah, what, what wonderful lyrics. Are Bono's Wait, but there's more. Been? Love's got to be with a wink. Only then love gets a chance to speak. Love will come again. I'll be gone again. Again. So how do you get love into a room? I think Micah Tannenbaum is pure love. <laughs> Wait, there's more. Love is justice. So you're saying okay, love brings with it a clarity. Ben, is that yeah, that's a love room. Micah Tannenbaum is love. Love is justice. Okay, here's my point. Love brings with it a clarity. Love is come. Andrew, again. shut up. Thank you. I'm alive. Oh my god. <laughs> anyway, here's what I'm this saying. Okay. Good.